0: Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to a very special, one-time-only, special engagement episode of Cosmic Potato, the Super Fan Talk podcast. Right up top, got to make it very, very clear, you'll note that this episode has been marked explicit, which is rather unusual for Cosmic Potato and the Infinite Potato Alliance. But considering the subject matter of the episode, it's very, very important that we do that. Uh, We are discussing one single horror movie today on this episode. And uh, as we discussed off mic before we began, a tame description of the movie would still be crossing the line of explicit uh, to any reasonable person. So just to describe the movie and discuss it, we would need an explicit tag. And we're probably going to be using some profanity because it's the only way to properly convey The feeling of watching this movie, knowing that if uh, detailed descriptions of of horror films and bad language are are a no go for you, you probably want to give this episode a skip. If you're fine with it, then jump in with us as I welcome uh, across the virtual table, returning to our fine network after a, a long absence. It's been forever since I've talked to him and it's very fun to have uh, one of the strongest horror experts that I know of. We have Boz on the show. Boz, welcome back. How are you?
1: Hello. Yes, and just to double down on that, I'd fuck off now if I were you. (laughs) You don't want to hear any of this. (laughs) But thank you for having me. (laughs) (laughs) Can I say, firstly, I'm absolutely stunned to be talking about a movie like this, A, on the Cosmic Potato Network, and B, with you. Because <laughs> I, I I've never really registered a strong horror edge coming from you, and and you, there's a reason you for that. suggested this movie. <laughs> it's it's because of the
0: sheer um, absurdity of the things that I read about this movie, and just a few of the screenshots that I happened to catch. And I I honestly forget how I heard about this movie. I really don't remember how I how I came across it. But once well, I'm, I I'm, once I I'm, saw. Very- What it was about, I saw the DVD cover for this movie, and the first thing I thought to myself was, I need Boz to watch this so we can talk about it on a podcast. I'll make one up. I will create a whole new podcast just to have this conversation. Luckily, Sean was nice enough to allow me permission to rent the Cosmic Potato title so I could put it out (laughs) on this feed so I didn't have to create a new one. But once I saw and read the description, I said, I need to convince Boz to watch this so I have someone to talk about it with because I'm not going to convince any of my friends to watch this
1: um, and just so you know what it takes to convince me to watch a movie like this is, uh, here's the name of this movie it looks really fucked up, go and look it up and I looked, oh yeah uh, Amazon order, done <laughs> right so, you you went the extra
0: mile, you bought this on, on Blu-ray, which I yeah. certainly did not <laughs> <laughs>
1: Well, you're talking to the guy who owns, um, the uncut steelbook edition of Cannibal Holocaust, um, <laughs> the the Arrow special release box set editions of Necromantic one and two, um, films that I all hate watching, um, but sort of have to own in this macabre sort of way. And I'm sure we'll get into that kind of subject matter. Cause I have a bit of a rep in the horror community for, yeah. Oh, this looks like a sort of a Boz movie. Um, like, like, some things do outrage me, and again, we'll probably get to that a bit later on, um, mm. And but I do like the extreme side of it, and I go to a lot of horror festivals, and I'm always looking for stuff like this, that just puts me on the back foot, and just... You know, you the film ends and you're just sort of in a stunned silence and sort of what the hell did I just watch? Yeah. Um, and it doesn't happen as often as you think it would because you do get desensitised to stuff. That's absolutely a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes some films will come close to the mark and then not quite deliver. Others are overhyped. And like, this is the most extreme, uh, more recent example of that would be the sadness from Taiwan. Um, and it was like the most depraved film in years, and I was like, wasn't that bad. <laughs> you know I mean? It's a great film, by the way. Everyone should see that if you like the extreme stuff. Um, but it's not that bad. Uh, so, <laughs> yeah. But but for you to suggest this, I was like, really? <laughs> so, um, can I ask, like, what what is your horror pedigree? Like, like what extremes have you been to before this? Just uh, so I it, have a context.
0: It, not not terribly far. I'm the oh. first one to admit. Um, you know, I've obviously the uh, the the tame mass market stuff that everyone knows like your uh, nightmare on elm streets and friday the 13th and i haven't even seen all of those um i've seen of course let's say halloween and the the new latest halloween trilogy which at this point i don't really consider those horror movies i i, nah. the, I the
1: franchise it, pieces
0: <laughs> yeah it it doesn't say horrifying to me um but uh, i have seen Again, not sure if one would consider this a horror movie, but uh, Peter Jackson's Dead Alive, which I consider more of a comedy than a horror film. Uh I thought it was hilarious and I I laughed my way through every viewing that I've had
1: of that one. Yeah, I mean that's that's a pure splatterfest. So that that comes under the gore category, absolutely a horror film, you know. Mm-hmm. The, we have a lot of subcategories within our genre.
0: Yeah. Um and I think and the the best I can do is just listen for titles and if there's something that i remember oh i've seen that then i can i can name some more but not a whole lot of others really come to mind because i'm usually so much not a horror person that it's not really going to stick in my mind
1: (laughs) that tells me what i need to know because it like this film is of a genre where there's there's a handful of them and you never forget them if you've seen them because it's actually I can't now erase that from my brain because it leaves an indelible mark. So, um, good one to start on. I mean, why not? <laughs> there,
0: there's a, there's another one that that comes to mind. I'm I'm, I'm trying to remember the the name of it. Uh, I think righteous was in the title. Perhaps uh, uh, righteous evil. So I went back and looked up the movie during editing. Uh, it is the film Righteous Villains, made in 2020 by director Savas D. Michael. It's very bad. It's very cheap. It's very low budget. It was a, a film that I purchased at the local dollar store as part of the intended but uh, still has yet to be uh, produced podcast series that I was going to create called I'd Watch That for a Dollar. <laughs> I watch and review movies um, only films that I found at the local dollar store and purchased on DVD or Blu-ray for $1.
1: Great idea.
0: Um, and there's a few that I think are supposed to be considered horror movies, but they're so ineptly made that it's kind of hard to call them that. But this one, this was not a dollar store find.
1: No, no the first version of it I found was 100 euros. <laughs> Because <laughs> it has some, let's say, uh, it has some legal problems in some countries still. <laughs> so,
0: and I, I have to say though, I'm very, very glad that you um, that you made this sacrifice for this show and purchased a copy because it allowed you, from the sounds of it, to watch a making of featurette that was included. Yeah. And I'm dying to hear some of the things that you learned from that. <laughs> um, um,
1: you know what it, it often softens what can be quite a traumatic experience? So when I when I did like necromantic, like I used to be quite religious years ago, and I always struggled in myself because I was quite religious. At the same time loved watching sick shit on horror films. And I'm like, these two things clash very much. Um and there was always a lot of guilt around it, which obviously we'll get to that later as well. Um <laughs> But um so necromantic was a film like so, look, like, I okay anybody who listened to the little pot of horrors i apologize i've told this story many times so i sort of liked horror movies then i had a friend at school we called mark the bastard because he was a bastard and mark the bastard loved the sickest of horror films we would go to these movie collector fairs and then he'd go have you got anything else mm-hmm. under the table and it was back in the good old days of the vhs bootleg So I saw The Exorcist was still banned in the UK when I saw it, and it was a copy of a copy of a copy on VHS. Same for Cannibal Holocaust, same for all these films. And no one else would watch this stuff with him because it was too extreme. And I just developed this sort of – I used to hate watching films with him (laughs) and then be weirdly obsessed afterwards that I'd seen the films. (laughs) It's a really strange cycle to get into. Um, And I always felt a bit sort of depraved for watching them. But then years later, sort of you've got like rose tinted specs. So when Necromantic comes back around on a Blu-ray special box set and it's like, oh, this is kind of socially acceptable now to buy this movie. And I bought it and I'm like, but I hate this movie. And in fact, the music from it um, creates a really unpleasant feeling when you hear the music. It's this beautiful piano piece, but your brain just associates it with this imagery. Um, (laughs) But getting the Blu-ray of that, it had the making of. And and actually before that, sorry, I'm going to go another rabbit hole. Mm-hmm. I was at Fright Fest. So there was a film called The Samurai, which was a German film. Um, and all I remember is uh, the, there was Viagra involved and, a, and an erect member at the end in the woods and a samurai sword. And I had no idea what was going on. It was a very strange film. And... Uh, Jörg Buttergait, sorry I just that's not the pronunciation, I'm not very good with German names, but he is the director of Necromantic was sitting about four rows behind me and in the Q&A he put up his <laughs> hand and said I don't think this is a very good name for this movie and I did not understand this movie <laughs> <laughs> These lads are in their early 20s. So first feature film. They're at the biggest European like horror festival possible. And one of our horror icons is trashing them from the back row. I'm like, oh, that's hilarious. Poor <laughs> guys. And then, so I got this Blu-ray and I watched the making of Necromantic. And you realise that these really, really sick films that upset you. When you watch the kind of minds that made it and the age they were, they're all pretty young normally. And they're just having such a giggle. But they've just made something that's the darkest thing around. And you're like, it's really strange. But that's the thing about horror community and horror fans. They're they're, they're big softies who are lovely and cuddly and want to hug and hang around together. And that's my experience of it. And that's why I love the festival scene so much, I guess. So there's a massive diversion for you. (laughs) (laughs) At this
0: point, it's starting to occur to me that I'm not sure if I clearly gave the title...
1: We didn't.
0: (laughs) So it's going to be in the in the title of this of this episode, so Mm -hmm. people should know. But for those who don't look at it, they just blindly uh, download Cosmic Potato and listen. We are discussing uh, is I think the Canadian American film. I I would say, yeah, (laughs) certainly filmed in Canada, but um, we're discussing the film. Speaking Canadian, uh, yeah. Subconscious Cruelty, written and directed by Kareem Hussein, uh, released in the year 2000. And it took, according to the very limited trivia that I read, it took about six and a half years to make the film. Which explains, I, it would explain why it looks like it was made in the mid-90s, except it doesn't. It looks like it was made in the 70s, which is my absolute first note when I start watching the movie. Just from the opening, from the opening sequence, this are you? Are we sure this wasn't a seventies
1: movie? It was um, very much inspired by that genre. So he, yeah, that is the feel he was going for.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, um, my, my second note, and this is after the the credits of the film began, uh, was to call it a mirror universe version of Clerks, right? <laughs> J- just with the very plain, um, you know, white text coming up to to start the movie.
1: Oh, I see.
0: Right. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Beyond that. Okay. <laughs> um, but before we start, see, what I'm, I'm used to hosting the, uh, uh, that Star Trek podcast. And mm. when we discuss the episodes, we kind of, you know, start from the beginning and work our way through the episodes and discuss it as we go. Yeah. Um, so I'm not sure if we want to do a, a, a beginning to end discussion through the movie or just kind of attack it from all sides. Um, but I know that, uh, as we discussed before we started the recording, Baz is not going to make it easy on me because he refused to tell me whether he liked this or not. <laughs> and I'm coming. Now he has a better idea of the type of uh, horror experience that I have. So I went into this movie wanting to be disturbed. I wanted it to be, uh, I, I wanted it to be, tight and, and interesting and clever and, and surprising. Uh I, I wanted it to 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 make me anxious. And I would say within the first five minutes I resolved myself to uh writing all the jokes that I came up with in my notes.
1: <laughs> okay. That's all fine.
0: all of my notes are in the form of jokes. <laughs> <laughs>
1: We're going to enjoy this then. <laughs> I mean, given this an anthology piece that makes little or no sense, unless you're going to go into hours of analyzing what an angry 1918 year old was trying to say when he decided to make an art piece. Um, I don't think that would serve us very well. So I, I would say, just pick your talking points around each uh, piece of the anthology. Really? Um, yeah. I'm kind of with you in that. I saw the cover. I saw the imagery. Um, I didn't watch a trailer or anything, but I was hoping for that same experience of just being taken on a journey and then just sort of made to feel wretched. And it it fails to do that because it's lack of narrative arc in any of the segments. Um, And if you want to disturb someone, um, you, you need to get them on board with a character that something is happening to if if you don't care enough, if you don't understand why it's happening to them, then there's no, there's no connection. Therefore there's little to really get under your skin. Uh, yeah. And unless just visuals will do that stand alone, in which case this film will work for you no, to, to a degree. Well, I mean, I, the, the prosthetic effects in this film are superb. Yeah. Um, And they very much, you know, like you say, from the seventies, sort of Lucio Fulci sort of feel, Um, you know, some of the stuff I was like, that looks really, really real. <laughs> like, I'm very, very impressed. And they also shot on 16 millimetre, yeah, because you know, they managed to get a boost in budget and then upscaled it to 35, uh, so they could take it to festivals. Um, and, and that it was all cut, it was edited the old-fashioned way on, on decks, um, which you know I've got a lot of respect for that. I, I edit it, digitally, it, and sometimes I want to tear my hair out.
0: <laughs> no, no no digital editing no digital effects no nope. no nothing like that in this one which mm-hmm. i i do give it credit for that but as you mentioned i i i like watching for the you know the 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 practical physical effects and the horror effects you know how are they going to make this you know look gross and how are they going to make me squirm in my seat because of the visuals but unfortunately because of how the quote-unquote stories are constructed I didn't have anything to hold on to. Mm. I'm just, I'm I'm watching a, a series of images go across the screen. Yeah. um, And, you know, I'm listening to the dialogue and it's a good thing I had the subtitles on because half of them I wasn't able to make out. Oh, (laughs) and just not connecting with any of the characters. The, the biggest, most um, realized character that we have in the film is in, What I thought was the first section, the first um, segment of the anthology, turns out Mm. it was the second one. Yes. I, yes. I, I I looked at the credits and it turns out that, well, let's give people an overview of the first segment of the movie. If you haven't sought out this film and watched it before listening to this episode, the first segment turns out to be a hand holding a brain and then a voiceover essentially telling us, you know, some people use film to try to hide from the world, but the world's always going to come back and get you because the world is evil. (laughs) And then you get a hand holding a brain. You get a naked woman on a table. That's going to be a theme because there's not a single segment of this movie that goes by without naked women. She is blindfolded. And then a female hand opens the woman's midsection with a scalpel, takes out an eye and turns it toward the camera. That's the entire first segment. I really thought that was just an opening sequence saying, okay, get yeah, ready, did. we're going we're gonna to jump into the first of four anthology segments. No, that was the first one. Done.
1: Yeah, it was a bit, Yeah, they introduced the concept of the left and right brain, and you need to kill one side of it and stuff like that, and that's sort of what they're trying to say, and it was, it's left versus right and a bit of political anger and so on, and anti-fascism, and like, yeah, I, I, I don't pretend to be able to read into anything they're actually trying to say, mm-hmm. I just you know I'm, I'm actually going from so the blu-ray has a really long detailed introduction from the director on it filmed like last year or whatever the blu-ray was made so a long time afterwards with a very sort of yeah it's not that shocking by today's standards blah 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 um and we were very young we were very angry you know so it gives you all that sort of context to it before you go in It sort of spoiled it a little bit i'd rather have watched it then seen him say all that yeah. um because if he starts up and says, we were
0: very young, we were very angry, and I'm like, by by 20 minutes into the movie, I'm like, yeah, I knew that already.
1: Yeah, Exactly, no shit, Sherlock. Yeah, um, <laughs> But the, the eyeball is actually supposed to be her ovary. So her ovary has an eyeball on it. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> um, okay. The, the, <laughs>
0: the only thing that tells you that is getting to the end credits, where you see the segment is titled Ovarian Eyeball.
1: Uh, yes, that gives it away slightly
0: <laughs> <laughs> so and and that's the entire first segment, which I thought, like I said, was just an introduction, and then we get into what is actually the second segment the if I'm not mistaken, correct me if i'm wrong, but the the longest of the of the film
1: yeah it's it's the co- By far. i think it's the core of the film, this one really yeah, which i I don't know if they wanna uh
0: use that as a selling point <laughs> if this is the core <laughs> of your movie uh the, the this segment titled human larva or my alternate, i give alternate titles to all of these right um, human larva or alternate title chad the monotone incel
1: <laughs> that's a very modern spin on a quite an old film <laughs> <laughs> but you have to admit
0: it fits just based on the oh,
1: the voiceover alone <laughs>
0: yeah the endless <laughs> prattling of this of this Oh, this insufferable git.
1: Yeah. As he, I mean, looks... he goes on for a very, very long time uh with lots and lots of words, but basically um is a bit of a bit of a perv. Watches his sister for a hole in the wall getting on with people she gets pregnant and he decides that his mission and goal in life and the thing that's going to make him feel ultra special is to pervert the process of life being given in the most sickening way possible Mm -hmm. and proceeds to do so Um, now that's the point at which you decide (laughs) whether you're going to explain what happens because um, I remember when a Serbian (laughs) film came out and the description the plot blow by blow of what happened in that movie was listed on one of the sites um i think was a, that would have been back in the day when the the old forums used to be running and somebody posted it there and i'm like i am not going to watch that um because just the just the detail of what occurred in the movie it actually in some respects is worse than watching it because your brain <laughs> creates those horrible images for you um and actually on camera some of them are hard to do um, yeah
0: it no, after having given credit to the, the to the visual and practical effects of the film mm. still if you haven't seen it and you just if we go through and and describe this entire segment and what he does by the end of it it's going to be more disturbing in your head than anything that Hussein could have come up with on screen
1: yeah even though the camera doesn't flinch or look away at all which uh, i actually have a bugbear with in horror um special this is the most extreme blah 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 i'm like but so then why did the camera flinch because you didn't have the you didn't have the special effects budget that that's and in the minute my brain goes oh you wanted to do that but you couldn't afford it i check out a little bit mm-hmm. so um but then when a film like terrifier comes along and i loved it because it was it was nasty and unpleasant and gory and didn't flinch um half of its detractors are like well it was it was just too unpleasant and you're like for the sake of being unpleasant and i'm like yeah, there's space for those films and mm-hmm. they're for a select audience, but there is space for that audience. Um, and actually one of, uh, one of the, like, I'm going to big him up on here, right? One of the best horror podcasters in the world is Duncan McLeish, who runs the podcast under the stairs. Uh, He sold his soul to Satan several years ago and doesn't have to sleep. So he'll put out five podcasts a week. I mean, the guy's output is insane. He does the summer series where we go through an entire decade over several weeks of podcasts, four hour long shows. I mean, I've done a couple of them and it's a it's a time commitment just to be a guest on his shows. Um, I had him guest on The Little Pod of Horrors because he didn't like Terrifier. Now, normally we agree on films like nearly every time. Uh, we have very similar tastes. But he was like, no, it's just unpleasant for the sake of being unpleasant. I'm like, but it's horror. And he's like, he's like no, because it didn't have to be that nasty. And I didn't care about any of the characters. So I basically did like a final, uh, uh, not final fight. That's a computer game. <laughs> Mortal Combat. <laughs> round one, one fight. One we did all fight. that, and I, I don't think I won. Um, it. <laughs> <laughs> we had a bit of a smackdown about that movie, and obviously Terrifier 2 just came out. It played at Fright Fest this year. That's the one with Art the Clown, by the way. Uh, he's become the latest big horror icon. Uh, okay. White face, black teeth, um, really, like, terrifying visage, actually, and he just carries a bin bag full of torture implements around, and never says anything, uh, never makes a noise if he's stabbed or shot or anything like that. He just sort of makes a clown face and carries on, um, which actually makes him really super creepy. Um, But he they they did the sequel because it went down a storm. The first one, they got a lot more money together this time and it's two and a half hours long. (laughs) Um, But the observation Duncan made is absolutely right. Even about the second one is that 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 the director really doesn't like women and everything horrible happens to women. Um, I know that's a horror thing, um, but, yeah, two and a half hours was a bit much.
0: <laughs> yeah, I I think that that's somewhere in my notes for this movie as well. I don't think this guy likes women.
1: I mean, again, it's the the genre he's um, paying homage to, I guess, the, or the the time frame of horror, I should say. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's kind of intentional in that respect. And I think he said at one point they got kicked out or they lost funding because they had a big sound stage they were using to do a lot of it, a, a pretty big one as far as sound sound stages go. Um, but I think it was partially sponsored by his film school or something like that and they basically thought he was filming porn so they removed his funding and kicked him out and he had to reboot somewhere else
0: yeah it was well, it, it was pretty close in in, in uh, at some points in the film mm-hmm. and then you know, just to make sure to put it over the mark you get plenty of shots of actual porn on a television that's in oh, the that's, scene
1: that's done in so many films <laughs> I don't know why they do that well, I, I do I mean yeah You make the point the guy sitting, having his way, watching some, and you're like, but you you have to show that much of it. Like a couple of side shots would have been fine. It was a bit.
0: I was saying that with 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 a lot of this film. Um, it go back into the uh, the second segment, the the human larva segment. Mm. Um, where he's talking about the house that he and his sister live in, and the camera goes to a uh, an obvious model. Of a yes. house with a yard, there's a tree, little fence. For whatever reason, there's two fish heads on the lawn. So these yeah. are you know, in, in scale to the house, these are huge fish heads, but it's just a small model house with with fish heads on the lawn. What is obviously like a chicken drumstick bone as the tree. Hmm. And the amount of times that the camera pans across and up and down and zooms in and catching this model house from as many different angles as possible. I I did have to pause the film and write in my notes, it's a model house, not the Enterprise from the motion picture.
1: <laughs> they spent a lot of time making that.
0: <laughs> Obviously. And they were getting their fucking money's worth. They were. And it's the house wasn't the only thing that that was shown in that particular way. There are a lot of very lingering shots, which again, this might be my lack of experience with the genre. I don't know if that's you know normal or usual for this sort of thing, but it's, it seemed there are a lot of objects and, and angles and scenes that were having a lot of camera time spent on them, especially with a lot of slow zooms get really like so close that you really can't see anything. You don't know what he's pointing the camera at, but whatever it is, it's really super important because it's staying there
1: for a long time. So, the the explanation for that is that there there are horror films, there are surrealist horror films, and then there are art films. And he really was making an art film. And yeah. um oh, you yeah, know, spoilers. <laughs> so whether I like the film or not. Um on the whole it's a no because it's an art film. I don't watch art films, I don't appreciate them. Some people can watch them because the lighting's great. The camera angles are clever. The filming techniques are good. But art films don't have narrative, story and direction. Therefore, it's not for me. Um, I also don't like films that go really heavily into dreamscapes and dream sequences. I don't like TV that does that. Uh, It's a trope like the dreamscape episode of anything, not pointing any fingers at anybody. (laughs) Star Trek! Um, I will check out of those no matter what it is um even recently i've been watching and enjoying the halo tv series and there's a few sort of trip out moments when they go to the halo ring and you're like oh, yeah all right move on i get it you're in your head move i get back to reality please um yeah so it, in art films it is just, there is that thing of just lingering isn't there and look at the color of this and look how i've exposed that and i'm doing a long slow focus pull or whatever you know like well done you <laughs> You've I, paid attention I really, in art school.
0: <laughs> I, I really thought this shot was going to, was going to speak to the the message that I was trying to shut up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: If you need to write again, okay, this goes back to Rick. Okay. Cause I, I remember when, uh, Oh God, which film was it? Was it, is the first star Trek remake, the new one. And they did that comic book series before it. Yeah. 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 Explaining how this and that happened and how the ship got there and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah, it's really good if you read the comic before. He's like, if I have to read a fucking comic before I watch the movie, then it's not a good enough movie, is it? All right, Rick, calm down. (laughs) (laughs) He's got a point. He's got a point. If I need a paragraph of text to tell me why that's a good painting, the painting itself isn't good enough, is it? (laughs) Right. Right. <laughs> like if my my friend daz and i used to have a thing and we 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 did some like work it was i can't remember what we were doing but we, we were building some shit at an art college <laughs> and while we were walking around we're looking at these art pieces on the wall and he'd stand there you know when you cross your arms and you put your hand on your chin and you stroke your beard and you look thoughtful and he'd look at it and he'd go hmm but is it art or is it shite <laughs> <laughs> I've taken that into the rest of my life. <laughs> uh
0: I I was asking myself that same question about this movie and I didn't even realize it. <laughs> I didn't know that's what I was doing, but mm. but I I sure was doing it.
1: But yeah, that's why it lost me to be honest. Yeah.
0: Uh so w- without I think you make you make a fair point. I don't think it's necessary to detail exactly what this uh, uh what what this Chad does in in the human larva segment, <clears throat> but suffice to say, um, his sister has the baby. He's there to deliver the baby, and then he, yeah, he, do, he does. A, he does a really bad thing. Mm-hmm. Um, spoiler: He's the only one left alive at the end of the segment.
1: <clears throat> I think I saying enough. Yeah, for the more sensitive types. Yeah. Um,
0: now he was able to deliver the baby because he he did his research and he read up on how to uh essentially how to midwife. Yeah. And there's a segment that shows him reading through these like you know medical texts mm-hmm. saying that he he learned the the basics that he needed to uh reading books that had been left behind in the house by an unknown former lodger, which I wrote in my notes as the unknown former lodger was a library because the library stamp is on the side of the pages.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well spotted. That'd be the 16 mil film that made it clear
0: enough to see. I I did have to pause, but I, I, I zoomed in close. The only thing I could make out was the word library spelled um, with an I E at the end rather than a Y. But (laughs) sure enough, that was a library book. Oh, amazing. Um,
1: Well, it was Canada. Uh,
0: That's that segment of the film ends with him. Uh, He he kept, let's say he kept the uh, uh, trophies of what he did, kept them around, and there is, sorry folks, this has to be said, Um, he, he does make it clear that he keeps his sister around, he tends the body, he cleans it, dresses it, and there was only the one time that he tried to have sex with it. And it didn't work because it was cold and uncomfortable. Yeah. So obviously, that's never going to happen. So
1: uh, yeah, uh, yeah. And they so, didn't show us that because your butter guy had already done it. So <laughs> yeah.
0: So he obviously he, he has decided, and it is my lot in life that I will never have sex because the one time I tried it, it was it was icky. So I guess I can never have sex. It's just kind of glazing over the part that it was. It, A a dead family member Mm. but it was uh, the two words that he used to describe her lady parts and I really did laugh out loud when he used those words because it was so ridiculous (laughs) do you remember what he called it?
1: no I don't oh you're going to have to say it now Uh, sorry folks
0: (laughs) he refers to his deceased sister's um, yeah you know Female sex area as Watch her bottom. as her putrefying cleft.
1: Oh right, okay. <laughs> that's, that's poetic language. What are you saying? It's <laughs> fine.
0: Oh, i i could I could hear the writer director after having written that line in the script going, "Fuck yeah!" <laughs> yeah,
1: <laughs> he had that hair as well. By the way. He had, like, the beard and the massive, like, director's afro and the black polo shirt. And, like, yeah, the the behind-the-scenes stuff is – him and the producer are very of a type. It's funny. Oh, boy. (laughs) (laughs) And
0: so that's that's a hard end to that segment. And then we jump straight into segment number three titled Rebirth, which I gave the alternate title based on one of my favorite – one of my favorite songs by Jonathan Colton, uh, you know, internet comedian and song maker, Jonathan Colton, his song uh, First of May. So the alternate title for this segment is Outdoor Fucking Starts Today.
1: OK, okay yes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> As the segment begins with a lot of grass, a lot of moss, and then like half dozen naked people, men and women just rolling around in the grass. Yeah. Appearing to really enjoy it.
1: Hmm. And, you know. Doing things to Mother Earth. Yes, which is why
0: my follow-up note is: Oh, I guess actually, outdoor fucking because they're fucking the outdoors.
1: Yes, basically that's it. That, I mean, that's the whole piece in, in in general conceit. Do you know there is a scene missing here? Um, there was another bit because it was freezing cold. Those poor people, uh, two days out in the in the woods, naked and uh, covered in mud, mm-hmm. and uh, the producer. <clears throat> Uh, because they were the main two, the the Kareem and this producer um, basically did all, all of it together. And um, he's like, you know, just to show solidarity, um, I'm basically gonna, I'm going to eat out a tree and then fuck it. (laughs) That's how they his words. That's in quotes, right? (laughs) So he's gearing up for this. He's like, and I was really psyched up. We were going to do it. We'd done his setup and everything else. And the tree was bleeding great. And I was all geared up to do this tree and eat it out and then give it one. (laughs) And I'm like, (laughs) <laughs> okay um, and then Kareem sort of did a light check and realised they were losing light they only had one day, they'd rented a camera to do it and basically couldn't do the shot so the prop was set up and everything else but he didn't get to screw the tree as in the way that he wanted and he's very disappointed it's not in the film <laughs> uh, but you do have somebody unearthing sort of a bit of ground and finding that the ground is full of blood um, and then sort of gyrating around on top of it front down uh, mm-hmm. that was a thing and then someone fellating a knife that a lady's holding in her crotchal region for him yeah. um now that i thought oh, that looks pretty um that looks pretty realistic actually they've done they've done a fairly good job of what is clearly gonna have to be for health and safety reasons a plastic knife no it was a metal knife <laughs> I mean, it was blunt, but it, it was a sharp point and his mouth was fully over it. Like if somebody had tripped over and landed on the back of it, he's done. Um, there, I mean, there were some real health and safety violations that went on in the making of this movie. Um, this, you're seeing the blooper now, aren't you? Just a guy lying face down, the knife sticking out the back of his neck. Uh so weird. uh,
0: The the knife sticking out the back of his neck while the front of his face is between the woman's legs.
1: (laughs) Yeah, basically that's how it would have ended, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Shit. And like, you know, I I, I shall analyse this art and see what the director was perhaps trying to say, perchance. Um, We don't look after Mother Earth very well. There you go, done. (laughs) That's all I got. Wow. What did you get? Um,
0: I got you know what I think might be a cool shot: break this branch and have it bleed, and then have take this stick and have this. First, she's filleting the stick, but then she's devouring the stick. Oh, also it bleeds.
1: Yes, yeah, everything bleeds.
0: Yeah, everything Um, bleeds, and then we get to the end. You get those two on the ground. This woman, who I don't think we've seen at all during the scene, mm -hmm. you know, up to this, she's actually like wearing clothes, like a, a a very thin. Uh, like a white robe and, and the then she, yeah with with the veil <laughs> she's holding something between her legs and i can see okay that this man is filleting whatever this object is is this another branch is this a another odd stick what it, it took quite a while of zooming in before i realized it was the blade of a knife i said <laughs> and in my notes ha 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 ha, ha it's a
1: knife dick <laughs> yeah i mean like and it's a very nature piece. Everybody there's there's not really clothing, there's no cars, there's no watches, there's no mobile phones. Obviously it was way before that. Mm-hmm. Um so it's all nature, all nature, all nature, and there's a really nice piece of hardened <laughs> engineered steel. You're like doesn't fit, but okay. Yeah.
0: And that is very suddenly the end of that segment. Yeah, done. It's a dagger blow job. The end. That's just the end of the scene. What does it mean? I don't know. You don't have time to think about it because we're moving on to the final segment of the film, right brain slash martyrdom.
1: This one resonated a bit more.
0: Uh, Yeah, this one, this should have been the centerpiece because this one felt like he was actually trying to say something. The human larva felt like he was trying to disturb. He was trying to be edgy. This is the stuff that my middle schoolmates... Would write in their in their poetry notebooks because they they thought no one could under, no one else in the world can understand how I feel right now. Mm. That's what they would write. They would write human larva. This is yeah. what should have been the 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 centerpiece because he's actually trying to say something. I don't know how good a job he does,
1: but mm. uh, I mean he, he yeah. tried. I guess we should describe it before we try and <laughs> decode it. Uh, yeah. Um, You know what? You go first. (laughs) Okay, he's a a very dissatisfied looking businessman in a diner, and then um, he seems to like, I don't know if it's the women in the diner, he seems to have a problem. So it's a bit of a misogynist undertone. That's what it feels like to me, anyway. Um, And we quickly cut to him at home, uh, as we said earlier, with the hardcore pornography on the TV, and uh, sorting himself out, really. Um, And then the the way I sort of interpret this is he he goes into a a post ejaculatory guilt cycle uh, which becomes a dreamscape and I think this is just all in his own head him going around how dirty he feels perhaps he's grown up being told that self abuse is a grave sin um, and goes through as it sort of tries to show you some kind of rebirth but the weird thing is the rebirth thing kind of happens before. The uh, the Jesus iconography sort of at the end,
0: <laughs> yeah, uh, which there, is extreme. <laughs> there, there's first the rebirth, and then there's the martyrdom, and then it's one last bit of of the uh, the the guilty guy that we saw a, a minute ago with a weird two faced mannequin that they put the lights on, and then the credits.
1: Oh, sorry, I missed a bit where they peeled his penis like a banana.
0: Yeah, yeah
1: yeah that's yeah. in there too I can't it, forget I forget the exact order of all that actually as,
0: exactly as I described it. well the, the way I described it was careful if you masturbate Jesus will peel your dick like a banana <laughs> yes
1: um, <clears throat> I had a lot of fun filming that as well <laughs> um, as you can imagine so the guy who plays this businessman is, is famous for uh, face contortion acting <laughs> not sure where that comes into play in general society but it's a thing and uh, to, to sort of get the, the sell of how much pain he was in while sort of, I think they put fish hooks or something through the end of his foreskin and all this kind of thing. So obviously they've made this fake penis. The special effects crew, I should note, are off. The ones who did the really good stuff are offset now. Like this is done later. Mm-hmm. So that, I can't remember how they made it. It was like a layer of latex over something else and then sort of strapped into a pair of underpants and then lots of, tubes uh intimately placed through his rear end <laughs> to feed the blood to the correct points with syringes on the end full of fake blood mm-hmm. and um basically he he was so convinced that he wanted to sell this well that he made them sort of stand on his foot that was out of shot so that he would react to the actual pain of it while the shot and it's like it took nine hours to shoot this scene or something Oh, and he basically started to become desensitized to the pain. So there's a picture of him putting a gaffer tape roll on the top of his foot and then standing on that, you know, and his legs shaking a bit and the like, but he just kept getting too used to it. So then what they started, he's quite hairy legs, this guy, I can sympathize. They started to stick gaffer tape on his legs. And then at the point he had to um, show pain on camera, they were basically waxing him and he was <laughs> running out of hair and it was getting closer and closer to his butt. And so, sort of towards the end, this guy's waxing his ass by ripping gaffer tape off, so he can show enough pain on camera. And they're like, "Dude, are you seriously okay with?" Like, yeah, yeah, I want to sell it. I want to do it right. Um, so he he makes out that he's this complete, you know, this very dedicated actor, a complete badass and a hard ass, and like we're through all this pain for hours, and then they come back to it later on. The scene where he's reborn and he's naked in a in a waterfall in canada not in summer um (laughs) basically the the superhero of pain is just kind of gone because he he's like he could handle like 10 or 15 seconds of this ice cold water and the minute his head went under he would bounce straight back up and then the director would shout go, what the fuck and he just started rolling he's like oh it's really cold and you've got this behind the scenes footage from someone further up the the hill it turns out that's the producer who is scared of heights, so he won't walk down to where they're filming. So they're a man short. So he's up on the hill filming them shouting at each other in a, in a waterfall. And it's just like this disturbing horror film is just a comedy at this point. I love making ofs. They're just brilliant. I'm now wishing
0: that they had that they have filmed the uh, the the tape
1: hair removal,
0: and they use that for the
1: sequel. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, that might be more disturbing, actually. I've had this. <laughs> I don't know if you've had kinesiology tape put on you when you've had an injury and then pulled that off when you've got hair. Oh, my word. Nope. That hurts. <laughs> that probably hurts more than having your penis peeled. I don't know. I'm not going to experiment and find out. Yeah. I,
0: <clears throat> I, I really didn't know what to think of that particular scene with the fish hooks, the, the dream sequence. Where where he's being skinned because I, it really didn't seem to me as though there is a a solid structure that remains when the skin is removed. It's just a whole lot of tissue that's probably not going to hold together like that if you pull it's it off. Funny we'll, you
1: should mention that. Oh okay, please. <laughs> so Continue. so what's what one what of the more disturbing parts actually in the way it is well edited and it's shot in black and white. Which often is a lot more disturbing. If you've seen the Human Centipede part two, that sells a lot more because it's in black and white. Um, So they've done this peelings in, and then there is a hand, uh, you know, given hand job basically to this skinned pig. Like, that makes you wince, right? Because you know there's no skin on it. Um, So this this happens, and then on the behind the scenes. He's like, he's joking around. He's going, well, it's the best hand job I've ever had. And then they sort of zoom in a little bit and the penis just breaks clean in half. <laughs> that was literally the last scene they got before it broke. <laughs> and you can just see in the middle is a straw. <laughs> so,
0: uh, well, I have to say, I'm not surprised to hear that it broke because, I mean, whoever, whoever had their hand coming in from off camera, they were working.
1: They were <laughs> they were earning their money with that particular that particular shot. Whew. Um the the, the making of does end with them all sort of having dinner together and their friends again now but apparently after that waterfall scene they fell proper out the director and this actor. Cuz <laughs> <laughs> so they just he was like, oh, he just wants too much for me. And like, and like, a few months ago, you were being waxed and you were fine. Now you're a bit cold and you're bitching like a two-year-old. Yeah, like, we we, we were you.
0: standing on your foot and we were pulling out all the hair on the lower half of your body. <laughs> but now it's chilly water.
1: Yeah. He was moaning because I <laughs> didn't bring any hot coffee or soup or anything, um, just, just towels. And of course, once you've had the towels a couple of times, they're wet as well. <laughs> so right. there was like no relief for the poor guy. So it must have been freezing. Um, am <laughs> aside, but it's it's a very entertaining, and uh, the the style they shot the making of in um, there was an Oprah. I'm sorry, I don't know what it was, but it was like an Oprah Christmas thing they did at one point, and they they've copied the the visual style of that <laughs> for the making of this completely sick horror movie, <laughs> which I just find very funny as well.
0: Well, now I'm gonna have to go find that and watch it. <laughs> <clears throat> See, that's what I get for not buying the Blu-ray. Yeah, that was an interesting, intense scene. And I honest, I did not realize that, that the second half of this, when we get to uh, the, the the Jesus scene, it took me a while to realize that that was still part of the same segment. That that yeah. was a dream sequence and not moving on to... Because I thought there was still one more. I thought there was a fourth segment, because I didn't realize that segment one was actually second a segment second one. Yeah. Um, so we move on to the dream scene And we should bear in mind that the reason he is having this dream sequence is in the dream where his manhood has been uh, unwrapped the 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 mysterious figure that comes in from the side representing the right brain looking to kill the left brain mm. he pulls the cross off of this guilty guy's neck the the necklace that he wears yep. he puts on a piece of tin foil melts it he cooks it down and the guy freebases Christianity through the forehead.
1: Yes, I'd forgotten <laughs> that. That's actually pretty well done because um, mm-hmm. they'd made the cross in such a way that when it melted, it looked like yeah, someone was prepping. <laughs>
0: right. Yeah. As I wrote that freebase god shit,
1: <laughs> injected. Not sh- sure how the needle went through the skull, <laughs> personally, but you know, well, it, it you was know.
0: already a dream, so we'll we'll <laughs> let that go. The
1: skull's quite thick. Because then he goes
0: into a dream within a dream. Where we get where we get a um, a very white Jesus out on the sidewalk, crying and praying in front of uh, an abandoned, dilapidated church. Or as I call this guy, trauma Jesus, just because (laughs) the camera angle and the the way it was filmed, that that outside shot, which is obviously just a guy in in an adult diaper and a crown of thorns kneeling in front of a church while while business day traffic is just rolling
1: by. Yeah, that's pure guerrilla style. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah.
0: <laughs> it, it very, very much looked trauma.
1: Yeah, it did. <laughs> and then,
0: out of nowhere, this Jesus is attacked by three, four naked women who pick him up, and they just start, I, I'm guessing, running him through that abandoned church. I think so. But it I, there, there was no real set or scenery. They're just running him through what seems to be a very dark room with a few lights on them. And they're running a long way. That was a lot of running.
1: Yeah, they did well there. Fit ladies. Yeah. Um,
0: Again, all naked, obviously, Mm -hmm. because there's a rule against. I think there was one clothed woman in this entire movie, and that was the secretary (laughs) when this guilty guy leaves the the bar and goes to work. There's the secretary at the desk, and she's wearing clothes. That's the only woman with clothes in the whole movie. <laughs> so these women take the Jesus into whatever room this is, and just start
1: to eat him. Yeah, they they dive right in, teeth first.
0: Yummy.
1: They, uh, the the knee is quite impressive. I have to say, yeah, that and made me wince.
0: I could tell that.
1: Okay, they they knew they had a good
0: looking knee joint prop. Yeah. So they said, okay, we really got to use this as much as we can because we got to get our money's worth. So there, so it it was it was good. You see it from like a middle distance, and you can sort of see what's happening there. the The woman's like, you know, pulling at it and and pulling bits off with her teeth. Nice. Then it gets a little bit closer, and you can see, oh, look at that. That's that's an actual like knee joint that they've recreated there. That's wearing Very nice. But then they get a couple shots where they're really lingering on it as she's like, you know lapping up the the knee joint all over and say like, okay now, now you're taking too long now it's lost the mystique because i've seen it too long and you've seen the yeah.
1: knee joint move slightly against the rest yeah. of his leg
0: <laughs> yeah you're 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 running the risk of, of ruining this mm. by over it so back off and then they move on to other parts of the body you get uh one of the women uh you know cuts on his chest and pulls off a big patch of skin
1: really well done Mm-hmm. Like some of the best I've seen, honestly. Yeah. Very impressive. The effects, the the,
0: the blood effects uh, and the prosthetics for this scene were, uh, pro- I felt, probably the, the, the best. Mm, yeah. Not only because of the, 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 the skill and the quality of, of the work they did, but they filmed this in color rather than filming it in a room where it's nothing but red lights.
1: Yeah, and they got the... Blood temperature very good. That's hard yeah. to do. Some especially if you're shooting on film. If you look at the old Herschel Gordon Lewis stuff where it looks like red paint. Mm-hmm. Um it's just because of the temperature of the film, it was very just how it developed. Um they got that really they tested it well. Yeah. Uh, what they what they didn't have, as we know by this point, is much of a budget. Mm-hmm. So um <laughs> poor poor Jesus down there. Um basically I think it was like a day and a half covered in that blood and they didn't have enough fake blood to do it more than once. Ooh. So he, he basically would take a couple of three hours out for a nap under a blanket while the blood dried and the blanket stuck to him um <laughs> they would just have to reapply a little bit but he basically stayed in all those prosthetics for hours and hours and hours Yeah, I, and so I, did the ladies just and the blood goes sticky because it's corn syrup based and it's like oh, it must have been awful
0: I, I've actually experienced that before hmm. I did I for for people who, who might not be aware which I find unlikely I used to do a lot of community theatre uh back in in my younger days, like, you know, 15, 20 years ago. I did a show in a small theater. It was a play written in 1997, uh, and it is Corpus Christi by Terrence McNally. Okay. Um, The play, you don't need to know a whole lot about the story, but uh, long story short, it is the story of Jesus and his disciples uh, set in Corpus Christi, Texas, uh, in the modern day. Okay. Or in, in roughly the modern day. Um, a few elements that they add into the show. Jesus is not Jesus. His name is uh, Joshua. And it it doesn't imply, but it, uh, it really uh, kind of makes clear, obvious, a homosexual relationship between the uh, characterization of Jesus and Judas. Right. Uh, at the end of the play... The character of Joshua is, uh, you know, killed, crucified as as Christ was. In the production that we did, um, our director wanted to pay homage a bit and reference the uh, the hate crime killing of Matthew Shepard. So uh, our character of Jesus was uh, crucified on a split rail fence.
1: Whoa,
0: Doc! And I played Joshua. So at the end of the show every night. I get stripped down to my underwear, of which I wore two pair because I'm careful,
1: <laughs> sensible. <laughs> yeah,
0: it's it's me in two pair of boxer briefs and a crown of thorns. Um, uh, they take floggers to my back. We put fake blood on my back to recreate the uh, the lash marks, fake blood all over my head and my face as the you know from from the thorns digging in. Uh, blood on my hands and feet for the nails and um, on my ribs for the spear. Mm-hmm. Then they put me up on the fence. I'm all covered in blood, dripping off my face. The show ends. Lights go down. I do the curtain call. We bow, all that stuff. Um, after the show, I was I was beat. Because this was an intense show to put on every night. Don't try so, I didn't want, I didn't feel like immediately going through and doing all that washing. Cause it would have been a lot. Um, we had, uh, hospital scrubs and a flannel that I didn't need. And I would put on the scrubs and I put on the flannel still covered in blood. And our theater was above a coffee shop. So I would immediately after the show was done, we do the curtain call. We are greeting the audience and they're, they're leaving the show. They're telling us, you know, it was great. Thanks very much. I, uh, gently refused to shake anyone's hand because they were covered in blood. Mm. And then when we were done, we would go downstairs and I would order a cup of coffee at the counter and I'd go sit at one of the tables, still covered in blood. <laughs> <laughs> and I did not care. They were still open. They still had customers. They knew <laughs> what was going on. They thought it was funny as hell. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So It's just me. I would wash my hands so I could handle the coffee cup, but i yeah. just fake blood all over my face. After we finished the coffee, as myself and a few other actors, we would always stick around and have coffee. And after that was done, it was time for me to actually get cleaned up, so I had to peel those hospital scrubs off of
1: my oh, body. My <laughs> I went back to waxing. Yeah. <laughs>
0: it was uh, it was an interesting production.
1: It was that like the first time I was ever on a film set uh, or part of it, I should say. Uh, no, it was the first time I was on a set as well. Uh, that got me the bug. Damn you, Tristan Ofield. Anyway, mm-hmm. um, he's like, oh, we're going to beat you up. I was like, okay. So I spent like two hours or an hour and a half being made up, blood coming out my nose, my ear, and uh, Will Tristram was supposed to beat me up. Um, they cut the fight scene because it didn't fit and literally I was in the film for three seconds. Because <laughs> uh, the, the scene where I was going to be in it a bit more, they decided a chair covered in blood would get the message across a lot better. So it was literally uh me looking a bit scared and then a light hitting my face as if someone had just opened the door and I looked to the side and that was it. Um so I decided to keep the makeup on as I drove home. Went to a petrol station and the girl behind the counter just <laughs> George just hit the floor. I went, it's makeup, don't worry And I thought, I'm gonna be a real bastard so I popped by my mum's house on the way back. <laughs> And uh, I, I rang the doorbell. She came to the front door, and I've yeah, I got bruises, contusions, blood here and there. And um, the, the lighting wasn't great, I have to say. Um, <laughs> she opened the front door, and I just went, "I'm not a good actor, by the way. I'm not an actor." <laughs> and, she, and I just went, "I just went wallet." And she went, "What?" And I went, "Wallet." They took my wallet. She said, "What are you talking about?" <laughs> she just looked at my face, <laughs> and she would just, she didn't fall for it for a second. And I went. And then I broke because I'm a shit actor and just went, Oh, I was trying to wind you up. She went, Oh, what, the bruises? I like, yeah. Oh, I was a nurse for 30 years. There's no bruising there. There's no <laughs> swelling. You can't have bruises <laughs> with no swelling. <laughs> she, she didn't fall for it at all. And I'm thinking, yeah, actually, I should have known this wouldn't work because my mother, like, if I wanted a day off school, I literally needed to have a digit hanging off by a tendon and blood <laughs> pouring all over the floor. Otherwise it was just like go to school.
0: Yeah. yeah. My for my entire childhood my father was a uh uh an EMT in, oh, right, yeah. in in the local emergency room. He, he same, would same. work night shift in the emergency room and he drove the ambulance.
1: Yeah. My dad was an ambulance driver. I would have had the same with him. <laughs> yeah. Well well I I did not know we had
0: that in common. Did your dad give you driving lessons? Uh no. No. <laughs> <laughs> so all these women are devouring Jesus And one of them decides to go a little a little alpha And like physically knocks the, the other women The other two, three women away And they yeah. just essentially vanish
1: She's kind of scary looking, to be fair Yeah,
0: Th- this one woman that's left Is holding that big patch of skin That was pulled off his chest yeah. And I have to imagine that the instruction She was given was Okay, move it around your face a lot Maybe like lick it some Don't eat it and don't bite it, because that's the only one we have. Yeah. So just rub it all around your face like you want to eat it, but you're just not.
1: Also, you wouldn't eat the skin. You'd remove the skin to get to the meat below it, would you not, if you were actually going to eat? It uh, uh, depends what your motivations are, I guess.
0: Uh, yeah. <laughs> so that goes back and forth a bit. She then proceeds to open up his midsection. And rather than... Uh, this, this is a phrase I did not expect... Uh, to say on this podcast, rather than raping Jesus, she decides to pull his insides out of his out of his abdomen mm. and uh, use them for her pleasure, and that's essentially the end of the scene. Yeah, uh, not what I was expecting, but don't worry because
1: they come... had not tested her fortitude. No. <laughs> oh! <laughs> Did I just steal your joke? (laughs) No, no,
0: no! You did not. Okay,
1: (laughs) I didn't see it coming. That would have been funny.
0: (laughs) They, I thought they had surprised me with that, but then they come right back around with one last unexpected bit as they close down that scene, and then they come right back with that same white Jesus. Oh yes, clean as a whistle. (laughs) Yes. He's, he's whole. His knee is where it belongs. He's got all his skin. And then we are shown proof positive that Kareem Hussein is a fan of Evil Dead. Groovy.
1: Yes. <laughs> yeah. There's a there's a tree. <laughs> yeah. It's not there's, a sentient tree though. It is. It's an articulated tree by two of the ladies who are still naked. I, Was it all three of them? I.
0: Were they manipulating the branch? All I saw yeah. was just all I saw was the branch.
1: Oh, maybe I am mixing the making of because they do run run up with it and stop just before. Um, apparently, that was very uncomfortable for him because <laughs> whilst it wasn't actually inserted, it had to look like it almost was. So it was in an uncomfortable place, shall we say? Yeah, it, it was jabbed backwards and forwards.
0: Yeah, we'll we'll, we'll say it had to be wedged. Obviously, yes. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah he, I am. I'm 98% certain that any any shots with the three women um uh manipulating the branch were cut.
1: Oh, okay, right.
0: The, I think the scene is just presented to us as and if that wasn't bad enough being devoured by three naked women, now he's getting uh he's getting violated by by a branch.
1: And cause why? <laughs> we don't know. <laughs> Yeah, that is also left a mystery. It's open to your interpretation, much like the book all of this is based on. <laughs> sorry, sorry. <no. laughs>
0: so after that scene, we go back to the... We, we go up a level, one level of Inception back up to the previous dream where the guilty guy had been you know, ha- having his, his guilty sleep and the the unknown... Figure the unknown right brain figure is standing there and watching where the where the guilty dreamer had been, and he's now been replaced by some type of two headed monster or two face uh, two faced monster.
1: Yeah, it's straight out of the thing.
0: Really, I saw the, the visual connections there were easy even for someone like me. Mm-hmm. I could see that. Um, Again, very with, well done. Yeah, it, it was it was well made, mm-hmm. but. To to have it just sitting there with one colored light on one side, another colored light on the other side, and they kind of flash on and off, on mm-hmm. and off, and the camera just holds there on it. It doesn't move. It doesn't make a sound. It doesn't mm-hmm. it it doesn't stir one bit. And then, bang! Now it's credits. Yeah. I'm not sure what that two-faced monster was supposed to be necessarily. If it was Wait. supposed if it was supposed to be a visual representation of the battle between right brain and left brain, I think um, that's all it was. <laughs> it it kind of looks like uh, you know what, what happens when when one side of your brain decides to fight the other side of your brain. Uh, they both die because that just looked like a dead two faced monster. <laughs> it's
1: and uh, again skipping back to the making of um, the, the special effects guy he said he used fiberglass to finish it off and he was like that's probably not a good idea. Uh, you have to use it in very controlled environments and it was quite a small set and so on. <laughs> and he kept the fiberglass in the fridge and that day, everybody's lunch tasted a fiberglass or plastic oh. or whatever oh. the residue. It just seeps into everything. <laughs> and I, I should say the making of the special effects guy. Um, he's, he's sitting in a dressing gown, which is sort of open to his navel with his hairy chest on display. Uh, He seems to be sitting on the edge of his bed, which isn't a bed. It's a mattress on the floor and the room's a mess on the bed is a red headed girl wrapped in a blanket asleep facing the other way. You know, did you just kick his door down one Sunday morning and just say, "Right, we're filming this for the documentary"? I'm like, "Who decided this was the setup for this?" And it's every piece, every time they cut to him, it's just this one take of this situation. And it's like, <laughs> "Is that his wife?" Is she like, "Can you get the fuck out of my bedroom, please?" <laughs> <laughs> this <is> so odd. <laughs>
0: hey, um, sweetheart, we're uh, we're gonna film this thing for the uh, for the making up. She said. You can film it if you want, but I'm not fucking moving.
1: <laughs> exactly. Sunday morning, I'm staying in bed till 11. Because, you know, you killed Jesus. So I don't have to get up and go. Get... No, no, that, no, that's too far.
0: <laughs> so so, at, that, exactly. at that point, we get the credits rolling. I appreciate, I appreciate the fact that there's someone on the crew. He was a grip, and he also worked stills, and his
1: first name is Gilgamesh. Yes, i yeah, that was interesting. That's really interesting cast names, actually. Uh, they also had quite a large cast, if you notice, because yeah. of regular intervals, <clears throat> people would get pissed off and leave the project. I wonder <laughs> why <laughs> i
0: also I did also notice um names of actors being repeated in the crew. So there, I have to assume that they brought on some people as actors and they decided they didn't want to do it. They left and they had to put crew members in front of the camera to to pull off the shots. That's yeah. my guess.
1: Stand ins, pickups, yeah. Because the, yeah. a lot of them just didn't come back. It took six years six years, to remember. This they started filming this the year I met my wife. Um so I was what, seventeen. <laughs> <laughs> That's how long ago they started making this damn thing. Yeah. So um yeah, I was so. uh, uh, not
0: not not much uh, younger than that. I was, I think that was in my sophomore year of high school is when they started making this. Yeah. <laughs>
1: uh, but w- what it did, uh, I should mention the premieres sort of thing, so they, they managed to get, so uh, the reason it went into sort of limbo for a while is uh, for financial reasons or something, one of the negatives uh, reels was basically held hostage by, a production company and they couldn't get it back and I had no other copies. So half the film was missing, they couldn't do anything with it. Mm. And it took them a long time to get it back. Um, and the first part of the edit, cause he didn't have that. He started on the first part of the movie. He was basically cutting the original film to make the edit. He had, couldn't afford duplicates. So there was no safe negative anywhere. Mm. Um, and he said there was one, there was like an, uh, I think he said it was Montreal, there was an ice storm event one year that was catastrophic, it was bursting pipes, and no one had heat or power or anything, and he found out about a friend who had across town had a running shower. And he was so paranoid about the film, he packed all of the reels up into a backpack. It was like 16 pounds worth of film or something um, and trekked across the whole city to have a shower. <laughs> but he took the whole <laughs> lot with him because he, just, he said his life was just obsessed with keeping this film alive. Um, eventually, they get it done. They get it put into a 35 mil print and it plays at Seach's Film Festival, um, which is bucket list for me. I still haven't been there. The problem is it runs over like two weeks and it's not just horror. It's all kinds of films. So Mm -hmm. but a lot of the biggest horror film premieres have happened there. It's very, very famous. And it's just down the road from where our house in Spain used to be. So the plan was always to go there and it never happened. Mm. But, yeah, they they're looking to shock. They're looking to whatever. And they, they play this thing and he says he goes up to this projection booth delivers the film and the guy opens the door they've got footage of this the, the projectionist opens the door and he's got one arm and he's like this guy is either the greatest projectionist in the world or he's not <laughs> the <laughs> film starts playing and three times he goes up to the projection booth to say could you please focus the camera could you focus the projector it's out of focus." Um, Pigeon Spanish, this guy's probably Catalan, which is why he's looking Catalan to me. <laughs> he's pretty much ignoring him. <laughs> and then <laughs> he goes, right, One last time, he's going to try. He gets up to go out, and somebody gets up in the audience, stumbles into the aisle, goes towards the back door, and just collapses, knocking the door open so the light comes streaming in, making a huge noise. So the film's basically made this guy pass out. Which is, obviously, they're great optics if you've done a horror film. (laughs) And he says, "Um, but I'm pissed and I want this projection thing sorted out. So basically, I step over this guy's prone body in the doorway. The guy just sort of looks up to me with a dazed expression and goes, yeah, great film, man. (laughs) Sticks his thumb up. He, he, He goes into the projection booth and the guy's like, look, if you're such a good projectionist, why don't you fix it? And he says, I went over and I turned the focus wheel on the end of the projector about a quarter of an inch put it in perfect sharp focus and that guy just goes oh yeah that is better <laughs> <laughs> it's brilliant honestly the, the making of makes this film for me it really does but <laughs> you don't have to watch the film everybody just go and find the making of uh just watch that uh honestly it's it's like
0: someone going to watch American movie without without finding way to watch Coven first.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh god,
0: uh, I've got to watch this this making of now. Um,
1: I'll, I'll hook you up.
0: I I noticed as the credits were, I made sure to watch all the credits just to see you know what interesting shit I could find. In addition yeah. to someone named Gilgamesh, which mm. yeah, I'm 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 a sucker for the the epic of Gilgamesh. I have. I have 10 different uh, uh, printings and translations on my bookshelf, including one in Klingon. Huh. Yeah. And I noticed in the music credits, one of the songs titled eaten by trees immediately followed by the song combing for fleas on a radioactive dog. Interesting. That's a great song title. And I think it was the next card or possibly the, the card after that, the, 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 the final card in the credits. Now, you get down to the bottom where they're they're giving thanks. You know, thanks to the Upstairs Club, to the cast and crew. No thanks to the thieves within. Oh. That is... That last line of the credits is so delightfully full of mystery.
1: (laughs) That's my favorite part of the credits.
0: (laughs) (laughs) No thanks to the thieves within. So, I... Is he saying that there were people involved in the production that took shit that they weren't supposed to? Or is this like, is this some sly reference to the left brain, which which steals our time and our passion with its dirty, dirty logic
1: or his own imposter syndrome? They did say that they, they 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 look at this now and they think of any other movie projects they might do, and they they would never do anything so graphic again because they feel they really got it out of their system. And I was like, no shit, Sherlock. <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh, it's it's quite a piece, folks. And I'm, I I know is. we ended up in in the uh, the the final two segments of the film went into. I think more detail than, than maybe I'd initially planned. Mm. Uh, but we're still, we're not going to give you that detail from segment two
1: human larva. You don't, you don't need that. No, you don't. I mean, yeah, it, it if you have seen a Serbian film, that's worse, even though you see less. Um, one of the things I do mention when you get to the extreme end of horror and you're getting directors who are looking to push the envelope and really upset people, I've got a lot of respect for someone like um Pascal Logier, I can't pronounce his surname, who did Martyrs, for example. Um just a, if you've not seen Martyrs, people always say, What's your favorite horror film? It's that and Deathgasm, and they're at opposite ends of the spectrum. One <laughs> will make you laugh until you cry. Want to make you cry until you cry some more, and then give up, and then it finishes, and then you cry, and then you feel horrible, and then if you're <laughs> Timo, my old co-host from the Little Pot of Horrors, you want to punch me in the face. So <laughs> that's the two ends of the spectrum. Um, but he manages to get all of that emotion and everything evoked out of you. He also did a Prisoner in a Ghost Land. If anyone's seen that, not as good, but those kind of stylings come through. Wait, um, wait
0: he, he say that again. What was that last title? Uh,
1: a prisoner in a ghost land, I think it was, not the Nicolas Cage one, which is a very similar title.
0: Okay, yeah, it was. No, an
1: in, sorry, that's a prisoner in ghost. That is the Nicolas Cage <laughs> one. An incident in ghost land is the there Pascal is. one. Yeah, okay. um, so. Because I well, saw the other pr- type of Prisoners
0: director. of the Ghost Land with Nicolas Cage. I saw that one. I was like, wait, are we? We can't be talking about the same thing. <laughs> My testicle! Oh, I've never knocked
1: <laughs> so hard in a cinema. was amazing.
0: If you had told me three days ago I'd be standing here with one arm and one testicle! Trying to reason with you, bitches! I would have said impossible too! Oh, oh, I that, that,
1: that and I, shouting about llamas in Color Out of Space, they're two best Nick Cage things ever to happen on film. Um and then there's Mandy. Um
0: but Oh Mandy, jeez oh, oh we might have to do a we might have to turn this into a series so we could talk about Mandy. But
1: <laughs> or just all, all Nick Cage films.
0: Um The Bees, it was, not the peas! That, um, with, the, with the one testicle in Prisoner yeah. of the Ghostland. Oh, I watched that three times. I've rewound it just, uh, just to see him deliver that.
1: I would have done, but I couldn't rewind the cinema because I saw the UK premiere. But <laughs> I was asleep before that, and that woke me right up. Um, <laughs> so I'm not a fan of Sion Sono. Uh, it, it's just off-the-wall crazy stuff. But that that scene made every bit worth watching. Um, but anyway, where I was going with it, so Pascal Logier make, makes his films that really upset you, really get into you. Um, directors who aren't that talented will sexualize the horror yeah. in order to get to you and this is the reason I do not like Human Centipede 1 is fine it goes, oh it's gross get over the concept of it and the Human Centipede idea it's a really paint by numbers camera looks away nothing too shocking horror movie it, it really mm. is it's all about your imagination and how you're made to feel in that respect Human yeah. Centipede 2 uh, if you see the uncut version um, The the, the ultimate is to push the boat and do things to babies. Okay, so we're in this territory already. There's a bit of that in there as well. It's supposed to be darkly comedic, but it's a bit too much to laugh. Um, And they also sexualize it as well. Um, One of the freakiest moments of my life is being at a horror festival and turning around. And Lawrence Harvey was standing right behind me because he's actually part of our community <laughs> and he is a lovely lovely guy i've not spoken to him but i have friends who are friends of his um but uh i it's my first time at a horror festival i was like oh my god <laughs> please don't staple me to someone um <laughs> so there's that and uh a serbian <clears throat> film which sexualizes the horror as well and uh, i wasn't gonna watch it And those of you who've known me for a long time know that I used to podcast with Casey. He's my internet life partner and my co-host forever. Um, I was talking to him. We were coming back from Leeds from a podcast meetup, actually. And we got talking about horror films. And he said, yeah, I've seen it. I went, what? You watched that? He's like, yeah. Why? He said, curious. (laughs) Curious. I was like, right. Does it have artistic merit? He said, yeah, it does. Actually, it's really well done. And I was like, damn you. Now I have to watch it. (laughs) Oh, my! God, I felt awful afterwards. I hated it, but it's very well made, okay, so that you know I will put myself through the ringer on those things um but bear in mind if you do, you can't unsee it, and it will sort of have that lasting effect but the where I draw the line is the over sexualization of the horror yeah I just i it it doesn't need to be there, I don't think, and it it's a cheap trick to shock people um so you, you can do it without, because Pascal proves it, and other people prove it as well. So that that that's my hard line, I suppose.
0: Yeah, I've I've seen a a moderate amount of of material about uh, a Serbian film. Mm-hmm. I have not watched the movie itself, and I, I know that if I'm going to, I have to like, I'm gonna need to work my way up to it. I can't I can't just jump in.
1: The thing is, it's less graphic than the film we just watched, but the film we just watched doesn't have a storyline and it doesn't get you invested. Mm. And a Serbian film is quite clever in the way the plot unfolds Um, and the worst bits. I'm not saying anyone should go and watch it, but the the worst bits involve children. Right. Mm. So that you can't show. (laughs) But the problem is that then leaves it in your imagination and it's worse. Yeah, And that's what makes you feel absolutely wretched. And some people saw it as darkly comic. So I know people who love that film because they see it as complete, completely ridiculous. Um, But, but there's no, to me, there's no air of that. It, it, the, the, and the, the director is like, he made it serious by saying, this is an allegory of the way my country's people were treated, blah, blah, blah. blah. And I, I listened to his explanation for doing it. And I went, no, I'm sorry. The, You've just tried to create a reason to justify the fact that this film exists when actually all you wanted to do was you wanted to shock people as much as you possibly could. And you went, where's the hard line? How far can I push the limit? Well, let's sexualize all of it for a start. Um, and then we are instantly in dodgier territory. Um, yeah, so I was like, fuck off, mate. <laughs> that's what I felt <laughs> at the end of that, basically. So, um, but that's where I stand with horror. And I used to have a thing on the little pot of horrors. If anybody said the words torture porn, I would bleep it out Um, because I always thought that that meant films like Saw, Hostel, things like that, which are gory and do linger on the gore, that it implied that people who enjoyed those movies got some kind of weird sexual kick out of watching people suffer. And I'm like, I don't want that in turn. It's
0: it's sexualizing the enjoyment of it rather than than the content.
1: Yeah. So I was very anti that. And I was like, nope, you can't say that on my show. And I made a big thing of bleeping it and all this kind of thing. And then I interviewed my friend Al, who's a filmmaker. And, um, no, he interviewed me. Sorry. (laughs) I was on his podcast. I, I mentioned that. And he went, no, I don't think that's it at all. He said, I think what it is, is those films are like porn films for some people, in that they're watching the storyline, but all they really care about is the climax scene with all the blood. <laughs> so they fast forward the dialogue to get to the juicy bits. And that's what you do with porn. I went, mean, that's brilliant. Torture porn's back on the table. <laughs> I will now accept that term, because that mm-hmm. makes sense. Yeah. It doesn't imply that I'm some twisted sicko, you know. <laughs> and I I think it it makes
0: a point about you specified the, the Saw films in, in particular. Mm.
1: Uh,
0: those are... the The intent of those films is focus on these particular scenes and see how well we pull it off, how well we portray it, how yeah. gross we make it look. But the reason for it all is less important and as the movies go on it becomes even less important in subsequent movies mm. that's why i did not include those when you asked me what my experience was with horror films okay that, i think that's why those didn't even
1: occur to me i and think I, they're really clever i i love i mean they got more and more preposterous but like in oh, the final course. movie when carrie uh, carrie ellis is it comes back um I was like, no way! That's a it that comes all full circle. Look at that. Yes, there's a six thousand plot holes between one and seven. Uh-huh. Um, but I actually I enjoyed every one of those movies. Saw three is the best, I think. Um, in terms of, it still sort of ties well enough to the whole John storyline. They stretch that <laughs> as far as they can in credibility's terms.
0: Oh, but yeah, it, the the fact that they still find a way to shoehorn. Um, Uh, Tobin Bell into every film (laughs) really really kind of breaks the conceit, Um, but I I agree the the third one is it it should have been a nice cap to the whole thing. The only one of that series that I saw in the theater
1: actually. Okay, I I go by which ones actually got to me, and the only ones that got to me were the first one um, because it was the first kind of film like that of that style. It had that kind of seven feel to the. Score scenes but a bit more lingering Mm -hmm. um and you know a guy stuck in a room full of barbed wire you really empathize with that so that gets to you yeah um you know if you've got like a thing around your neck and a car and then a clown and then a grid and then you pull that and then that goes off over that you can't really relate to that it's too convoluted but while Mm -hmm. the traps were more simple and stuff i I, like the jaws opening on the head thing i mean you, you didn't need to see that you just you imagine it happening it's horrible yeah um and the third one just the character development everything in that was so believable um and the way it all tied together yeah i just thought it was really really well done and again it got to me like hostel got to me um and films very rarely get to me anymore and sort of going back to the one we're talking about now i was hoping this would be one because again i was it's like a roller coaster you're looking for the next one that's going to scare the shit out of you as you go over the drop you mm-hmm. know and i kind of thought this might do it but you say the lack of narrative
0: yeah. And in to, to stick with Saw 3, because the, the night that we saw it in the theater, uh, it was myself, my first wife, when we were still married at the time, and um, another couple that were friends of ours. We decided mm-hmm. we're going to make a night of it. We're going to order Chinese food. We're going to watch the first one and the second one. None of us had seen any of them. Oh, okay. And We, we rented Saw 1 and 2. Oh, watch, wow. them, watch them back to back and then immediately out the door to the theater and we watched the third one. Awesome. And the third one, oddly, got under my skin a little bit more than the first two. And it was for one particular kill, what some people might consider odd. It was the one where the woman is frozen to death with <sighs> the, the water in the freezer. Yes. So like the least gory kill in the entire mm-hmm. movie. And that's the one that bothered me the most. Yeah. Now, uh, one of our friends, the the uh, the man in the in the couple that came with us, he had to walk out.
1: Oh, really? Wow. He
0: he came back, but the scene where they're they're using power tools to perform brain surgery.
1: Oh, okay, that's the tamest part of the movie. <laughs> well, see, yeah. the thing is,
0: his his father had recently suffered a head injury that required very similar surgery. So when ah. they start showing it on screen, he he got the fuck out. <laughs>
1: Oh, okay. Right.
0: <laughs> he left for several minutes, and when he was convinced that the scene was over, he came back and watched the rest of the movie. But he <laughs> could not—he could not watch them removing part of the of the skull to relieve the pressure on the brain because that was the part that was realist for him. Which a lot of people can't really necessarily relate to that uh, particular scene. He had a very personal connection with what was happening, so he couldn't take that part. The rest of it, he was fine.
1: Look, I, I relate to that. Um, again, apologies if you listened to my podcast before But um, I relate to that thing Because I I hate watching Things like war movies Or uh, things that are based on Real life Like I, One of the scenes that really upset me I think is the Untouchables Where um, I think Al Capone just staves somebody's head in With a baseball bat That's one of the most yeah. horrific things I'd ever seen Really upset me um, I don't like gangster movies I don't like war movies um, Because real life sucks And I don't want to watch it I if something's ridiculous over the top you know <laughs> it's just mm-hmm. too extreme to be real life I'm fine with it um you know if it's you're watching something and I don't know somebody's kid gets run over in front of the parent and the parent screams and the actor is that good that you, they sell it that would destroy me for hours um the horror first episode of broadchurch haven't seen it um oh. but yes it, it the, but the kind of reality that broadchurch would represent Mm -hmm. And if it's out of the blue, um, actually uh, it's the happens in the orphanage. I think a kid gets hit by a car. Um, it also happens in final destination. And I laughed out loud when that (laughs) one happened. So like, it's all about the context of what the film is and how ridiculous it is. So, um, yeah, I I get that. He had a trouble with that, like, but something like relieving the pressure and taking the skull cap off the brain to me, that's like opening the bonnet of your car and checking the spark plugs and giving it an oil top up. Like I see stuff like that on the human body. I guess it's because I come from a medical family and that's quite mundane, I guess. Mm-hmm. But a guy in a box that's slowly twisting his limbs the wrong way until they snap. Oh, that's kind of upsetting because yeah. you can sort of relate to what that must feel like and the, the inevitability of it. And actually the guy getting covered in rotted pig carcasses really upset me as well. Yeah. Weird. Yeah. That for, that was my number two on
0: the list right after the uh, the, the freezing was that one. Mm.
1: Yeah. Drowning in that and the stench of that and the maggots and the sound of the flies. I mean, they did a brilliant job of just making that completely horrific. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what I love about horror, that, that kind of inventiveness. And, you know, the sound design being so important and performances. Yeah. Um, and I, the,
0: I, the attention to detail to make sure that it's as close to the the actual disgusting that you would uh, experience in in real life whereas by the time mm. we get to the later movies in the saw series it, it the 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 kills are starting to look like anything you would get in like a modern uh Friday the 13th they're mm. they're, yeah. they're sanitized for to to make the shoot quick and easy bang bang mm. get it done
1: yeah yeah you're retreading out ground a bit as well i guess um but yeah i I think horror is a weird thing and people think you're weird if you like horror and I, like, I try and explain it. The roller coaster thing is a good analogy. Um, but yeah, I, I've, I've got very odd tastes where it's concerned. And I, I think it comes from seeing stuff too young. It sort of develops that mm-hmm. it, it horrified me and scared me to the point that I sort of latched onto it and said, okay, then show me more. And, you know, <laughs> I've getting to my wife, and now she, she, she wasn't a horror fan really until she started hanging out with me and going to a few festivals. And, yeah you know, we'll be in the no- cinema with a normal screening now with normal people um you know and someone's head gets taken off by something and we're just like ah! and then no one else in the screen says anything we're like oh and like <laughs> the first time i went to fright fest i saw vhs2 there and there's a guy just jogging and his guts fall out I was like, i did something silly like that and um I, I laughed the way I normally would. And the whole room went with me. And I was like, or oh, they cheered with me. And I was just like, oh, these are my people. <laughs> and I've been going to them ever since. Because I don't feel like the sicko in the room anymore. Right. You know, we we find the same stuff kind of enjoyable. Well, we can, we'll, we'll try
0: to make uh, uh, this particular podcast uh, a, a new safe space for you. If we decide to come back and discuss any more movies like this one.
1: See if you get any demand.
0: <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm I'm interested to see what the feedback on this episode is going to be. Um, but I, with that, I think that takes us well past the end of Subconscious Cruelty it does a bit. from 2000, uh, written and directed by uh, Kareem Hussein. Uh, do Do you have any final thoughts to to wrap up the, this the, this movie that we saw? Um, I will toss in. The the few notes that I meant to put in here, and this are from the, the human larva segment, I forgot one of my favorite jokes, which was to uh, refer to uh, the unborn baby as Quato um, fetus, because it looked very much like Total Recall's Quato.
1: It did, actually, yes. <laughs> I mean, that, to be honest, that helped make it not as disturbing as it could have been. Uh, yeah. I mean, if, that, if that baby was animated, um, that would have been much harder to watch. Uh-huh much harder watch uh
0: the the other thing that i noticed was i i was not terribly impressed with whoever they got to read all the narration which because i i have no idea if it was the actor who we saw on camera or if it was someone else doing the the narration but whoever it was uh i'm gonna go ahead and guess that he hadn't really seen the word segue before because he pronounced it he pronounced it
1: I missed that. Oh, that would have made me howl. <laughs> I,
0: I, this is because I had the subtitles on. So he, he's,
1: uh, okay. he's <laughs> delivering
0: the line and he says "segue," and I'm reading along with it. It says "segue." I said, "What the fuck is that? <laughs> What's
1: a segue?" That's hyperbole. That is. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so I, th- those were the things I wanted to make sure. Is especially "quarto fetus." I wanted to I wanted okay. to get that in there. But um, <laughs> do, do you have any, anything uh, left to say about the film before we wrap it up?
1: We've been pretty down on it, but I do want to say if you like art pieces, it's an art piece, right? And if you, if you like gory stuff and you like the edge of the, the pale stuff, this has all of that. It's, They had Soddle money, you know, they didn't have a dolly track. They used a wheelchair with a guy sitting. So the guy in the wheelchair holding the camera, the other guy sitting across his knee, like a newly married couple, and he's doing the focus pulls, and the other guy pushed the wheelchair around the subject. Um, I love that kind of guerrilla style filmmaking because it's the only type I've ever done. And I think they do a really good job of that. Um, But it is just a brain dump onto celluloid. So um, it has merit. It's not a complete waste of time, mm-hmm. but you've got to like that sort of thing. So it, I think it has an audience. And actually, if you look at the reviews, some of them are seven, eight stars. Others are two, three. And, you know, I always say about horror, most horror is a three-star movie if it's a five-star rating because mm-hmm. <laughs> half the people will give it one star. other people will give it five stars. It will come <laughs> right down the middle. Um, it's a divisive genre. Mm-hmm. So I'm. do I regret watching it? No uh was it overly extreme for me it was close but no um i love practical effects and really well done practical effects um it gets a big tick in the box for me on that one um but in terms of (sighs) having to dig to get some kind of point or catharsis out of it is is a bit of a shame yeah. I, I would have liked it to have a narrative and and some characters and some story arc and make me give a shit about somebody in the film so um yeah i, I if I was gonna like a little pot of horrors we had fifty shades of death uh it was our scoring scale, <laughs> and this would get something like a thirty four from me so it's it's over halfway good
0: I think if I had done a little bit of digging around essentially if I had watched a trailer. Mm. To get some sense of what i was uh what I was in for, I would have been able to go into the movie with a more accurate anticipation of what what i'm gonna see mm. um but based on you know the things that I had read uh the d v d cover uh which I don't think we've described it, but it's it it pulls from from the final segment the martyrdom segment with the the women devouring that white jesus it's It's a painting, it's not a photograph, but it's a painting of what's clearly Jesus on the ground, one woman straddling his chest, the other one knelt down between his legs, they're both devouring, there's blood all over the ground, and this is happening at the foot of a giant cross with nails and bloodstains where he had been crucified to it. Yeah. So it's clear they pulled him down from the cross and are now consuming him. That's the cover for the movie. Mm. At least the cover that that I saw. I think your your Blu-ray is different. Um, but that's what I had to, to go on, on what to expect from the movie. If I had watched the trailer, I would have seen the type of style that they were trying to emulate and I would have had, you know, a a better idea of what I was getting. So I wouldn't have been so surprised when I watched it. Hmm. Um, maybe I wouldn't have been so, you know, so hard on it with, uh, uh, fetus and uh it's 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 a brother caressing his naked sister it's not the enterprise that was the other shot that i that i made that note about where they're taking just they're taking way too long yeah um i i might have been a little gone a little easier on it if i'd known what i was getting but i i absolutely agree with you that if they had given us you know characters that we care about any sort of a narrative would have been a lot easier to to latch onto to to hold on and let the movie carry us through. Whereas it felt like this movie was happening at us rather than taking us on any sort of a journey. Yeah. I, In my head, I equated it to uh, this guy. He, he, he wore all black in high school, and he didn't talk to a whole lot of people. He listened to music that his parents didn't understand, and he wrote a lot of poems, and he decided to pick three or four of those poems and film them. If, yeah. it it felt like these were the filmed poems of a of a very uh grumpy emo teenager yeah that's a, uh, yeah
1: he'd probably he'd probably
0: say yep <laughs> <laughs> and it, if they had been uh translated into or adapted i should say adapted into a storyline then that would work mm-hmm. but that's not what we got no. and it doesn't make it bad it makes it not what it could have been if they had gone a different direction. Uh, but still, I don't regret having watched it. Um, it's even better that I watched it because I got to have a, a nice, fun conversation about it. Yeah. Um, absolutely. And made even better by the fact that you watched that Making of Documentary. I can't thank you enough for doing that. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs>
1: I want to make sure I got that in. It was like an hour and 17 minutes long as well. It's the same length as a damn movie.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, this,
1: this one cl- clocking
0: in at, at a lean 80 minutes.
1: There's actually a, a short, another short film on there, which I presume was made by the same director, and I sort of watched half of that, and I think it's, that's actually a much better film. <laughs> so, <laughs> I, will, I will finish that and let you, I'll report back. Uh, uh, but okay. also, he's like 20-minute intro to the film as well. Better to, if you're going to get the deep, if someone does want to pick up the Blu-ray, um, skip him talking, watch the film, then come back.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, put,
1: listen <laughs> to him explain it. Put it at the end. It's going to it's gonna help your experience. Yeah, it's, it's quite an apologist entr- uh, introduction. Mm. <laughs> so. uh,
0: which is why I save my apologies for the end of the show, like now. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> hopefully this was not... Too, too jarring a shift from the usual subject matter that we cover on Cosmic Potato. Um, I want to thank Sean for allowing me to borrow the the feed to put oh, out sure. this particular conversation. Um, and I want to thank Boz for for carving out the time and watching this particular piece, for buying it and watching it and coming out here to talk with me about it. Boz, do you have anything that you would like to pitch, plug, promote, anything uh, that you want the people to know about?
1: Yeah, I mean, this is, this is no stretch for me because I really miss podcasting. Um, it's just every podcast I've ever done, I've had to edit myself. And those are the hours I don't have anymore. So to be able to just turn up, talk and leave. If anyone else wants me to do that, I'm perfectly happy to do that. I can always <laughs> find time for it. Um, I've been podcasting for well, it's probably over 15 years now or something. So, yeah, you know, i I do love it. Uh, so I don't have anything currently in the pipeline. Uh, mainly because I spend most of my time hitting people with lightsabers and teaching other people to hit people with lightsabers um, and that's that 's really what i do um we are We are looking to sort of grow that into the into the states um, because we do teach a a cut down version of our syllabus online every week um, but obviously the timings don 't work out so much, but if I can get some u s interest uh, we are looking to do a later class that would work for various time zones I haven't worked mm-hmm. out which one um because we would like to get it you know across the pond um because it's a very good syllabus it's six years in development is based on uh, traditional longsword techniques and tai chi so it's not just somebody went oh yeah i gotta do some choreography for a movie oh, i gotta do some more choreography for a movie should we make that a form and put it in canon uh yeah <laughs> and then go and teach that like it's an actual martial art when Sorry, I'm yeah. <laughs> disrespecting the, the Star Wars forms, but that, that's how I see them as a martial artist is like they look OK. But you see a lot of people doing these cuts and you're like, the cuts are good. But where's your root? Where's your foundation? Where's your footwork? Where's your structure? Mm-hmm. Um, we teach you all of that. And uh, you look at any clips on silver saberscom dot com. Um, look for Silver Sabers on Instagram, TikTok. TikTok's a lot of fun. <laughs> I make a lot of content for that. Mm-hmm. Um, and on on Facebook and you will see the way our fighters move are just that bit different um and that's because it's based on something hundreds of years old so yeah. there you go
0: based on something real and as someone who has seen a decent amount of your content as I scroll through facebook I,
1: it, <laughs> it's all <I> post.
0: <laughs> he's not kidding folks it um you, you can tell that there's there's a basis in in real forms uh, in what they're doing it's 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 really fun to watch
1: yeah, and, and what what makes it different is you know the the instructor and display team uh are, that's level five of a seven level syllabus. So they've been at it three, four, five years, most of them. Um, they train four hours every Sunday, every week. um it, it takes that much to sort of get to that level. And the reason we do that is because we don't choreograph fights. So if you see us do a display fight anywhere, MCM Comic Con anything like that we're hoping maybe star wars celebration next year that would be lovely um our fights uh we've never seen it because we don't know what happens till we step up but Mm -hmm. we don't wear masks and if we wear gloves it's only because it's part of our costumes we're in full cosplay um and we fight and we act so it's not as fast as a tournament fight but it's still pretty quick um and it's completely unchoreographed Sometimes we'll, you know, we'll say, OK, after this person dies, a Jawa is going to come in and nick their lightsaber. So we do little set pieces like that for the crowds. But the mm-hmm. fights are always completely organic. Yeah. Um, and then what we started doing more recently is to show the difference and the speed difference. We'll get the fighters in. They'll put their fencing masks on and their protective gloves and they will do a full speed tournament sports side of it version yeah. for the crowds as well. Um, and again our rule set is very different to a lot of the ones out there because we do deductive scoring so it's like imagine you're playing tekken your life bar runs out you're dead we don't stop every point so again the fight flows somebody can hit you four times before a hole is called two hits and you're dead in most cases so but it creates a, a kinetic thing that's and we want everything we do is for the audience like if you want a sport to be accurate and very by the rules and by the book and i just do an inline cut and i just tap you on the wrist that's great looks a bit boring to an audience if you're stopping every hit it's boring um also that's called fencing how many people do you know who are obsessed with watching fencing i've fenced since i was 13 years old i don't Mm -hmm. watch it on television because (laughs) it's quite boring to watch It's great fun to do but it's not much fun to watch. We want it to be a spectacle whether it's sports tournament or whether it's display fights for a crowd. So mm-hmm. and then on top of that we have the martial traditional martial arts forms where we do a full um sword form with 99 movements from a traditional tai chi form with a lightsaber. I'll sharp now. Sorry, start me yeah, on that I, one. I
0: I recommend listeners go check that out. Um uh, like I said, it it's a lot of fun to watch. They they do put on a show even the the short bits that you see on uh, Facebook on TikTok they're they're very entertaining. Give it a go. Um, as for me, in addition to uh, being the host of that Star Trek podcast right here on the Infinite Potato Alliance, I occasionally appear as a contestant on Captain Game Show. And outside of podcasting, you can see some of the graphic artwork that I do on the side by visiting my website at www.planetrisecreative.com or find me on Twitter at planet rise for as long as I decide to keep any Twitter accounts active, which might not be for a whole lot longer because I can only take a dumpster fire so long before I decide I need to pack it up. <laughs> <laughs> if if I move somewhere from Twitter elsewhere, I will let you guys know. But until then, <laughs> keep your eyes open for that. Uh, if anyone has any graphic art needs, um, uh, planet rise creative does uh, posters, book covers, uh, web banners, avatars, logos, uh, bookmarks, so on and so forth. If you have any graphic art or uh, photo manipulation needs, then reach out and we can uh, set up a contract of sorts. Uh, let me know if you're interested. Uh, He's really com- very good. <laughs> thank you. Appreciate that. Comment on this podcast, uh, send us an email, let us know what you think and uh, keep your eyes on Cosmic Potato because you never know when more stuff is going to uh, pop up. the, the, Cosmic Potato Super Fan Talk podcast is on hold moving forward eventually it will, it will be revived but for the moment there's no ongoing show coming to it but every once in a while we'll see if we can get some specials thrown your way. Uh, in the meantime tune into uh, that Star Trek podcast, Captain Game Show and all of the many many shows that are uh, currently in production and being released on the network and I almost said tune in next week but that's not necessarily going to be next week on, on this show. Uh, but go find Subconscious Cruelty and uh, let us know if you thought it was a bad idea for
1: us to cover it. Um, <laughs> and if if you see, if you're in one of the cosmic shows that Rick is on and you see somebody um, giving him shit in the chat room for being too old, that would be me. Um, I tend to just log in long enough to make a joke so I get my fuck you bars and then I can leave. So <laughs> Then I'm happy. And also, Captain Game Show. Um, I was on it. I was on it once, and then like no return invite. So I don't know what the hell I did there. But definitely needs a a British Smackdown. where We're all in the same time zone. Just saying, John. Well,
0: I'll I'll remind him that you would like to come back and uh, <laughs> and hopefully we can get an invite. I I would like to go up against you. That would be fun.
1: Yeah, I I really enjoyed that turn on it, and I heard he had Ollie Peters on, so now he's really scraping the barrel. Um, I guess <laughs> that like. <laughs> off the table really if you've had Ollie on so (laughs) love you Ollie
0: (laughs) thanks for downloading and listening everyone we will catch you next time goodbye Know that we couldn't finish up this episode without a hidden track, so included right now the deleted tangent taking place right after me asking Boz if his ambulance driver father taught him how to drive. Mine took me to the to the the school's parking lot on the weekend when it was empty because I was getting uh, driver's training in the summer from you know through the school system, but they're not going to teach me the stuff that he wants me to know. Like, you know, how to get around shit. (laughs) Yeah. So he marks out spots in the parking lot and says, okay, you're going to get from here to the opposite end of the parking lot as fast as you can. You can't hit those spots. Uh (laughs) So he has me weaving around these things like he would driving the
1: ambulance. (laughs) No, see, my dad uh, was a rapid response driver in an ambulance for 30 years. And, um, If you get in a car with him, whatever the posted speed limit is, he will be doing five miles per hour less than whatever that is. Uh, I've never seen him exceed the speed limit, not once ever, because his job was basically to hoon around above the speed limit when the lights were on. So when he drives a car, he's never had a speeding ticket. He's just just (laughs) missed the plot. He's like driving Miss Daisy everywhere he goes. Um, And I'm just like, just go a bit faster. And I know that if I give him a lift anywhere, the fact that I'm sort of three, four miles out uh, an hour over every posted limit stresses him out. <laughs> like,
0: oh, then he would he would hate me. <laughs> <'Cause>
1: <laughs> I if
0: it's it's usually more like nine.
1: <laughs> <laughs> <You're> right, <okay.
0: laughs> What's the limit? Thirty-five? Uh, forty-four sounds
1: good. Actually, what's this piece of paper here? Um Dorset Police. Uh, Details of a ledger defense, speed limit for class of vehicle, (laughs) date and time, speed, 72 miles an hour in a 70 mile an hour limit. But because I have a van without a window in the side, I'm only allowed to do 60. That one sucks. I'll reply to that later. (laughs) You're in good company. All right. So uh,
0: that was a tangent. (laughs) Yep. And see, my... My co-host on on that Star Trek podcast hit me for that all the time, but it's kind of how I operate, apparently.